Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Welcome, listeners. I'm here today with Tom Porter. Tom Porter has been the founder, spokesperson, and spiritual leader of the Mohawk community of Ganajo Halege, located in the Mohawk Valley near Fonda, New York, since 1993. He's a member of the Bear Clan of the Mohawk Nation at Akwesasne. Akwesasne is a reservation, uh, also known as the St. Regis Mohawk Reservation, straddling the New York border with Canada. He's married to Alice Joe Porter, who is Choctaw, and they have six children. Mr. Porter held the position of subchief uh, of the Mohawk Nation for 21 years, from 1971 to 1992. These chiefs are considered to be spiritual as well as political leaders, and some of the duties of that position were officiating at marriage ceremonies, death ceremonies, and numerous other traditional ceremonies held throughout the year. He was the director of and a teacher at the Akwesasne Freedom School and taught at the Ganawage Survival School. He taught Mohawk language, philosophy, and history at both schools, as well as carpentry at Ganawage. The purpose of both schools is to teach all of the usual subject matter, but within a traditional Mohawk worldview, and with emphasis on keeping the Mohawk language alive and vital. It is said that with the loss of language, there also is the loss of at least 50% of a people's culture and identity. There is a long, long bio here, and I could go on for the entire interview talking about Tom Porter and all of the amazing things that he does and has been involved with over his life. I've known him for many, many years, and I'm proud to call Tom a friend, and Tom truly is a spiritual leader among his people. So Tom Porter, welcome to the podcast. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I just um, went after this. Uh, I don't know if you can see this. These are, uh, they call it uh, wampum strings or condolence strings. Wonderful. If you don't mind, I'll just introduce the topic and then I'll turn it back over to you. Um, so since okay. the topic of our podcast is on healing, 
there is a practice uh, called the condolence ceremony that the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois people have that is an amazing, un, that is based on an amazing understanding of how we heal, how we deal with grief. And I asked Tom to come on today to talk a little bit about the history and the background of that. And then maybe we can even touch on how the message behind that is one that can be meaningful for anyone in understanding the nature of loss. So Tom, I'm gonna turn it over to you to talk about condolence, the ceremony, the background, the history of it, whatever direction you'd like to go. Okay. Um, we don't have a recorded history like uh, Western, the Western world does. So we don't, we can't say in um, 1492 something uh, in our history or our telling, uh, they always refer to uh, our history as it, like it was yesterday. So even uh, thousands of years ago, when the world began, uh, they don't have a date for it. They just say at the beginning when the world was new, like it was yesterday. And uh, so that's how... As far as I know, most native people are like that. Uh, there's a not, there's not a definite definite date uh, the way the calendars of uh, American people or European people do it. And so, um, but I'm going to say approximately between 1,000 and 2,000 years ago. Um, there was a lot of warfare going on amongst all of the, the people that we call Rudinoshuni uh, or Hudinoshuni. There's two ways to say it. One is Hudinoshuni. That's if you're a Onondaga or a Seneca or a Cayuga. That's what they say, Hudinoshuni. But if you're a Mohawk or a Oneida, you say Rudinoshuni. The difference is Lo and Ho. That's a different dialects. And so, uh, but Anadaga, uh, uh, that's our capital, uh, they say Hudinoshuni. So a lot of the Mohawk, they'll say that, except when we're home, we would say Hudinoshuni. But usually uh, we would talk Anadaga when we say Hudinoshuni, except when we're home. Then we would say Hudinoshuni. At the beginning, when the world was new, uh, the Creator gave us uh, uh, creation of this world we live in. And according to the Lunipal, the earth was covered with water. And uh, a woman came from another earth in an atmosphere somewhere where the stars are. And that's where our great, 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 great grandmother came from that world uh, to this planet Earth to begin the human life here. And there's a whole story about that. And that takes quite some time to tell that story. Uh, but at that time, um, 
there was a birth and uh, and and uh, in order to have the birth uh come it took the element of nature the wind and the animals together help help create the humans and um then the woman who came from the other planet up in the atmosphere somewhere we call that place Kalungyaki in the Mohawk language. And that means great sky. And she came here with the aid of the animals and the birds. And she had, when she came here, she was pregnant from the other world. And so she gave birth to a daughter. And then the daughter grew up, the mother raised her because there was no other humans around here. So they say that the West wind uh, came and impregnated her. So that's why uh, in our spiritual world of the Hudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudhudh
So that twin under the direction of the creator blew in their mouth three times and their eyes blink and their hands and arms and legs began to move. And this were women and men that were created from the fire, the air and the dirt of the mother earth. And then they stood them up on their feet, but their mind was blank, like empty tape record, tape cassette. There was never used, there was completely clean. And so now that's what these human women and men were, like a brand new cassette tape, their mind. There was nothing in there, but they had life. They could breathe, they could walk. And so the creator began to transfer his thoughts and his thinking into their minds. And so when he did that, he said, I want you to carry a good mind every day and every night. And I don't want you to be gossip and rumors and gossip or character assassinating people that that's not good. And I don't want you to do that. And then he said, I want you to be compassionate and kind. And when people uh, come to you, you give them water, give them a drink or something, and you share the food you have. And then he began and he told them that the twins would have the power to create the Mother Earth and to bring identity to the Mother Earth in the form of mountains and valleys and rivers and lakes and ocean, like that. Identity. And they did do that. So that's where we got what we call the Thanksgiving address or the words that you say before meetings or social dances or any issues that are matters or issues of importance which our leaders say to open up councils. And then when they finish their council or matters of importance, they will also close it with the same uh, speech called Thanksgiving. And it starts with the Mother Earth and it acknowledges all forms of life that's on the earth as relatives, like a family. For instance, the earth is our mother. The rivers are like uncles and cousins to us. The sun is our older mother. The moon is our grandmother. The wind and the thunder are our grandfathers. So on. And so all of the world we live in, we are just like a little child. And all the natural world are our parents or our grandparents, our uncles, and our cousins, our brother. So that's why all the ceremonies we have is based on, on, on that and to acknowledge all of life. So we have sun, uh, dance for the sun and the moon, and we have uh, ceremonies for the Mother Earth, 
Well, ceremonies for the water, ceremonies for thunder, ceremonies for the trees and the forests that grow all over the world, ceremonies for the berries, strawberries, ceremony for the animals, and songs for them. And all the Lakota, hold on. That's a cell phone went off. And so that's why almost every nation of indigenous people I know of, our whole spiritual world is about ceremonies for the sacred life. So now, that was the te first teaching that was given to us to be grateful for all things that contribute to our life. Then, that's what the Creator said to us, our great great grandmother and grandfather, when the world was new. But being human beings, we forget. And so after many years, maybe hundreds of years, became lax and they forgot to be grateful and thankful. And so the next time uh, there was a need to bring uh, back respect and harmony of life. And so the clan system was sent by the creator and the spiritual beings of the universe to, to give us a clan system in order to be order of how the humans will live. And that's how I got to be a bear clan and some were turtle clan, some were hawk clan, some were snipe clan or eel clan and deer clan and so on. That's how we got that. So the second big teaching was the clan system. Then after many hundreds of years, that sufficed. But again, people being people, they forgot and they neglected to pay attention to their clan and to their thanksgiving, their gratefulness. And then disharmony came because of their forgetfulness as individuals and as also as community villages. And there was discord. So then the next big event occurred is that the Creator sent this time four sacred rituals. Every longhouse will have that. And still to this day, every longhouse of the Ludinashuni people are still doing those ceremonies. And for many, many years, that sufficed for many hundreds of years. And again, people being people, they became forgetful and not mindful of what the Creator wanted. And there was disharmony again. This time it was worse. This time there was killing. And this time there were war chiefs and warrior society uh, became fashionable. And uh, war leaders, uh, that whole system of having war instead of peace, and instead of being compassionate and kind, as the Creator said, those war leaders began to be uh, killing people and and uh, leading the young people astray uh, because of greed and different things. And so there was bloodshed. And it is said at that time that all the women 
who were the mothers and the aunts of the young men were always crying. Their eyes were always red from crying so much because the war leaders would conscript the young people at a young age and take them on the war path. And many times the children of those ladies, those mothers, would not return. They would die somewhere because of the cause of the war. And they said also at that time, this is about 2,000 years ago that I'm talking about now, that the creeks and rivers were stained with blood. That's how much killing had been occurring. And so everybody had become sick. They were no longer like a human beings. They no longer had kindness or compassion or sympathy. All they knew was to fight. And so the creator was very, uh, I guess you would say, upset and uh, dis disgusted with the humans because they had abandoned all their teachings that he had given to them over the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. And instead, they picked up the war hatchet and developed war chief and warrior societies that hurt and killed people, especially the young. And so they were sick. They weren't well. And there was no peace anywhere. There was fear every day and every night. And so the Creator did send one of the four sacred beings to be born as a little baby amongst the Huron, who are an enemy to the Mohawks, an enemy to the Senecas. But the Creator chose the enemy camp where a peace baby would be born that would unite the five original nations, the Mohawks, Unitas, Onondaga, Cayuga, and Seneca. That peacemaker baby was born in the enemy camp of Huron. And so in order for this little baby who grew up as a young man, he was sent as a baby to bring peace and to stop bloodshed and war and the sadness that enveloped all the humans in all the villages and to rekindle the fire of peace and compassion of the Creator. And so he was given powers that were kind of miraculous powers as he had to deal with cannibal people. And the warrior societies became so cruel and heartless that cannibalism evolved from their cruel cruelness. It became a norm. And war leaders, most of them were cannibal. When they would kill the enemy, they would dismember them and cook them and eat them. They were the ones that were, became the big war leaders, war chiefs. And that wasn't what the Creator intended to happen. And so, 
the pacemaker came and uh, when the pacemaker came he began to use his powers they were miraculous uh, to help the people understand because they were so cruel and heartless that no one would dare to say peace to them. They'll kill you right away. So in order for the peacemaker to talk to them, he had to prove himself. And so the Mohawks, who were the most fierce probably of all, and the uh, Senecas were pretty, pretty much the same. Of all of them, they were the, the most cruelest. And so amongst the Mohawk, when he's, when the peacemaker talked about peace, the Mohawk said, who are you and where do you come from? And he would say, I come from the West. And he said what well, his mother's name and grandmother's name was. And that he was sent by the Creator. And his message was to stop war and shit and to bring peace and kindness back to the villages. And then the Mohawk said to him, Who do you think you are? You say you're from the Creator. What kind of baloney talk is that? And they didn't believe him. And so the peacemaker himself over here next to Albany, New York, which is still there, is the Cohouse Falls. I think that's how you say it. It's just outside between Troy and Albany. And I remember as a kid going there with my uh, grandfathers and leaders in the nighttime to do a pilgrimage over there when I was a kid. It would be almost, it was dark yet when they would make a small fire at the Cohouse Falls. That's where the peacemaker was tested by the Mohawks 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago. And there was a big tree, and at the Cohouse Falls, it's about a hundred foot down, a drop in the solid rock. And at the very edge of the Cohouse Falls, there was a tree. Uh, I guess some of them said maybe 150 foot tall tree. So when you add 100 and 200, 150, that's 250-foot drop. And so the peacemaker said to the Mohawks, who didn't believe him, he said, I will climb the tree to the top of the tree. And you Mohawks can cut the tree down and make sure it falls into the cohost falls into the solid rock bottom. And the Mohawks jumped with glee because they were sadistic people. And when they seen tragedy or sadness or cruelness, 
That's what made them happy. They had become sadistic. So they said, hurry up and climb the tree and we'll cut it down. And so the peacemaker, he's the one offered to do this. The Mohawks didn't say that. The peacemaker said that. And that way I will prove that I have the power that was given by the Creator to carry the message of peace. So he climbed the top of the tree. The Mohawks cut it down and it fell into the gorge and they all watched with happiness as he tragically fell to his death, which the Mohawks taught. But the next day, so that time, the Mohawks said, well, the man who was sent by the Creator to bring peace, we don't have to worry about him no more. He's gone down with the river. He'll be going into the ocean. But the next morning, when the Mohawks woke up, they seen afar from their village, a white smoke rising up and so the head war leader sent the young men to the source of the white smoke to see who it was requesting to come to the village as that was the tradition you would never go into a village you would camp outside and in the morning you would make a fire with white smoke that would be the signal that you were requesting a visitation. And so when they went over there under the orders of the war leader, those young Mohawk men found the same peacemaker that they seen tragically fall into the cause. And as they examined his body and his head, not one hair was broken, not one scratch or one bruise on his entire body. And they couldn't believe their eyes. And so they took the peacemaker uh, and guided him into the village where the turtle people were. And the leader, of the war chief leader was there. And they all couldn't believe their eyes. And so when they seen that he was living and had no scratch or bruise on him, that he was in perfect condition, they said, there is nobody that could survive that fall as we all witnessed. And so the head war leader pronounced or announced, he said to the peacemaker, we've seen with our own eyes the power that the Creator gave to you. No one could survive that fall, but you did. And so we will become like rabbits and we will put our ears up and we are ready to listen to any instruction of the message of peace from the Creator, whatever it is. In the meantime, in Onondaga, there was a man that was over there who practice bad medicine. And um, there was a man over there. He, he, his name was Eonhwata. Eonhwata. 
But a lot of the Western people, there's even a story, somebody wrote it. They didn't quite get it right, but they called him not Ewata, they called him Hiawata. And they followed the story of the great law of peace, but not, not telling it right and not saying his name right either. It's not Hiawata, it was Ewata. And Ewata means uh, he wakes them up. Ewata had daughters. Some say he had seven daughters. And this evil man wanted them to be his wife. And each of them refused him. And see, he used bad medicine. And because he couldn't have them as his wife or wives, one by one, he took their life through medicine. And so, and he, he started with Ehonwata's wife and then all his daughters. And so Ehonwata lost his wife and his daughters through bad medicine. And each time one of them passed away, he became very lonesome, very disheartened, and gave up all hopes of living. And so when he lost his lost daughter, he began to wander and just leave his village in sadness because he had no hope to live, which was what a lot of people were feeling because war leaders had taken young men and they never returned. They, were, they died. And so in the condolence, Ehwata, when he was walking, he came to a shallow lake that was covered with ducks and geese. And he was going to walk right in the river in the lake. And he didn't care if he drowned because he had, he had become hopeless because of the loss of his family and daughters. And when he approached the lake ready to walk in there, all the water birds flew up all at once and the water lifted up. And only there was mud and a few puddles left in that shallow lake. And then there was something bright in the mud that he seen. And it was a wampum, white wampums and also purple wampum, just like these right here that I show you. And so he began to pick those up. He put it in his pouch and he began to string them up. And he said, as he strung them up, he said, this wampum, if there was somebody in the world that was as sad as I'm sad today, I'll give up all my hope to live. I don't care if I die because I lost everybody that meant something that I loved. What I would do, he said, my eyes are filled with tears because all my loved ones 
were taken away from me. He said, if somebody was as sad and tearful as I am, what I would do with this wampum, he says, I would take from the very beautiful blue sky a white leather from a, a small deer, tan pure white. And I would wipe the tears from the eyes. If somebody was sad and crying like I cry, I would do that for them to wipe their tears from their sorrow and their grief. And that's what this one wampum was meant to do. And then the next one that he made, that he picked up from the lake, he strung it up. And he said, when I lost all my loved ones, he said, a big, uh, the darkness of death took them. And when that darkness of death used a big stick or pole and hit where I live, it made the fire of my house or my lodge go out. And the wood I had gathered by my fireplace were scattered about, and so there's coldness. And when that darkness of my family, the dust from my fire, the ashes flew all over, and it went into my ears, so that when birds sing, I can't hear them, or when people talk, my ears are deaf, because the dust of death obstructs my hearing. And so if there was somebody in the world who have lost their loved ones and are as sad and hopeless as I am, I would take from the very beautiful blue sky a white feather, eagle feather, soft eagle feather, and I will go to them and I will wipe the dust of death from their ears so they can hear again tomorrow the birds singing so that when their family members they will hear their every word and they will be having to live again and with this wampum I will clean your ears so that you may hear the sounds of life that the creator made again then he did another one and he said, when I lost all my loved ones, grief and sadness went into my throat and into my stomach, yellow, and got stuck in my throat, the grief and sadness. But when I talk, instead of talking, tear on, I cry. And when I try to drink water or eat food, the obstacle of grief and sorrow stuck in my throat and my stomach. I can't eat food, don't taste good anymore. And so if there was somebody in grief and hopelessness as I am, what I would do for them, as I would like them to do for me, I will do for them. 
from the very beautiful blue sky, I would take a glass of medicine water from the very beautiful blue sky and I will give it to them, those who are in grief and sadness and hopelessness. And when I give them this beautiful medicine water from the beautiful blue sky, they will dislodge the grief and the sadness that lodges in your throat and in your stomach. So that when you try to talk, your, your words will be heard. And when you eat, there will be no obstacle you will live again and so from the very beautiful sky i give you this medicine water my brother or my cousin and it goes on and on and there's 15 of these strings all in all all dealing with grief and the inability to function as a healthy person and when all these things are addressed because of death or the loss of something that you cherished, that being peace and the ability to love your family. If those are all attended to, then you can eat again, you can live again, you can hear again, and you can react like a living person again and become strong. And so that is, uh, uh, how we use the condolence to wipe away the tears and to brush them off and to take the briars and uh, burlap from your hair caused by grief and to make you feel good again because we are your cousin we come to hold you and to lift you up and essentially those 15 strings even it talks about the bench where you sat has stains of blood on it. And so we take a nice, uh, something to remove the stains of blood. So when you sit down, there will be no stain anymore of it. Even when you are sad, one of them says, the sun fell out of the sky. That means hopelessness. There's no light for tomorrow. But we who are your cousins come and with this wampum we pick up the sun and we put it back in the sky so that for you and your family the sun will shine so that you can see where you are going as you walk the earth. And it goes on, all those 15 strings, they call it condom family. But they use the 15 strings for chiefs when they die and they only use a smaller number of regular people that are not in leadership. Uh, those first ones that I did, that's for the regular people and so on. And so that's, uh, in a nutshell, how we use the condolence uh, ceremony, Dr. People. And so whenever our leaders met with George Washington or Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson in the past, before they would have a meeting, they would do the condolence speeches for them in case somebody had died or a loved one they had lost, which caused them not to think properly, not to see properly, not to hear properly. 
they will attend to their eyes and their health and their hearing so that the meeting that between them will be hurt and strong and so that's what i know about the healing part it's a strong healing we do that all the time yet to this day when somebody passes away on the 10th day from the death of their loved one our leaders go there depending on what clan they are and they do all these things i just talked about in that family and they call it that means they had reached their mind back up from the ground because when you lose somebody they call it uh means their mind because of grief or loss and death their mind fell on the ground flat on the ground and they're in need of assistance and so on the 10th day of somebody's grief they want them to stop the grief to get better and healthy again so they call that ceremony when they read these uh, words i just told you means they will raise the mind from the ground back up so they can contend continue to attend to their family and their children and grandchildren they need their full facilities in order to lead their people their family back to health and that they should stop their mourning and their crying with the assistance of the other clan whose are whose mind is strong because they didn't lose anybody in their family so it is their duty to come and aid those who have lost their loved one and all the Iroquois, the people still do that today and all every death we have that's what we do on the 10th day of the passion of a loved one i'll turn it back over to so so tom in your capacity of leadership are you one of the people who performs that ceremony i sometimes do but i i've um the chief that i was uh, with before passed away um oh gee uh, probably quite a few years ago so I, I became free of that because i was his sub leader and when he passed away there's no more tree we considered the principal leader a tree uh, so then and the position i had was which means the caretaker of the tree the principal chief being that tree and so when there's no more tree there's no more need for a, a caretaker of a tree so i was freed from that but even though he passed away he was a condo leader for over 60 years and he was 97 when he died so i became free from my duties i served in that capacity for almost 25 years but even though he died uh, because of the Carlisle and residential school era, it ruined almost all of our leaders and our elders because they had to go to school. And so a lot of them became Christians or forgot how to do all this, what we're talking about. So those that didn't go, they were the ones left to do this. And, and we were the minority. And so um, uh, because of that, uh, they weren't able to put up another leader when our condol leader died in my clan. So the clan mothers came to me and said, even though 
we're not supposed to do this opinions our heart because a lot of our people uh, uh, can't speak the language anymore or haven't been brought up in this tradition and this uh, knowledge so we want you to even though we're not supposed to to take to sit back there again even though we're not supposed to because we got no other uh, choice we have no other uh, we can't do anything else and I know it's not right but I told him I will uh, but you have to look to to put the back real leader again and uh, I forgot how many years I did that uh, and we and they didn't never put a real leader back in well they did now but, um, they hadn't for a long time so but when they when they when they put me there as a real leader I had already had my big heart attack and uh, I'm older now no use because um you should put somebody you should put somebody that's going to last long for the people so I, I told him I'm too old and I had a big heart attack and I'm not supposed to get involved anymore or I'll, I'm, I'm going to die the doctors told me can't have pressure anymore I didn't do it so now there's another one there that's good so I'm curious about your experience as being the person who performed this ceremony for the years that you did. Uh, you know, we in in our mainstream society, um, in the non-Indian world, death is something that is really harmful to people also and damaging to the family and people often grieve for a long time or in other cases, people fail to grieve and that sadness gets pushed down and it's a long time before it comes out in one way or another. And what I'm curious about is the 10 days that you described. So in your experience, if this is grieved in the proper way through the condolence ceremony, does that grieving process end after the 10 days? It used to be before. It used to be before that they would grieve for one whole year. It used to be, and uh, but because there were so many people, the population had grown so much over the hundreds of years that um, people, uh, when they lost somebody, they would grieve for one year. And I'm, when I when I say grieve, I mean they grieved. They they really grieved, even for one year. You, you you are not even to look at the stars at night for that was considered entertainment. Uh, so you're not supposed to entertain yourself when you're in grieving, when you're in the mode of grieving. Uh, you're not supposed to listen to music or go to social dances for that whole year. You're not supposed to, uh, you're supposed to be kind of be quiet and uh, you donate that time, that one year to the, to the thinking and the love you had for your loved one that you lost and then at the end of the year that's when you stop that um, but even though one year is the end of your supposed to be grieving we still had uh, what we call okiwi, which is like a ghost dance twice a year for all our dead from the beginning of the world one in the spring and one in the fall for the whole nation uh, so that we can be with all our ancestors 
so we don't never cut everything right off, but we 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 put a we put two days of the year where we dance with our dead, where we feed our dead, and where we visit our dead all night long until sunrise twice a year. Now, and so that one year used to be like that, but then what happened is that that person uh, didn't finish the year of grieving and then another close relative died and he didn't finish. So now he's added on another year, and then another one died. And so then uh, visions came from the spiritual world. The creator says to the people, I didn't mean that you should be sad all your life because there's so many people now, you are always crying. That's not what I want you to do. So he said, that's why now uh, on, the, on you grieve for nine days and on the 10th day, you will have that feast no more one year. But then the people at that time when that message came, that spiritual message came, they said, but we feel like if we don't do the year, we slight our loved ones that we're not doing proper respect for them. So the spiritual world, creator's world says that time, I understand that. So those of you who feel that on the 10 day uh, feast, it's not enough. You can semi mourn for one year, the way you used to do it, but semi mourn, not a complete mourning or grief. And then at the end of one year of that death, you will have that yearly ear feast. And we want you to stop now. You're crying. Because your children need you. And then they say, you have to let them go. Because if you keep crying, you will interfere with your loved one's journey to the next world. They will turn around and come back to try to soothe your tears and to try to be with you, to comfort you. And you will be the cause of detracting them to get to the next world where their grandma and mother and fathers are waiting for them to have a big feast. So don't be stingy. You have to find the power to let them go because while they were here living on earth, they did their share and you shouldn't bother them. Let them go. Because if you don't, then you cause them uh, not to get to the next world. It's all part of that, that ceremony. And in your experience, how many people, how many people did it in the 10 days and how many of them needed to go on to that full year of semi grieving? Everybody goes for the, for the uh, full year. Um, they, they'll semi grieve. And it's up to that family how, when you say semi-grief, what does that mean? It's up to that person. But at the end of the year, they'll have that feast anyway. So were they- Most all, all of them, most all of them do it like that. Then would they have one feast at the 10 day marker and then another one at the one year? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. They'll have the 10 day feast and then, and then, at the end of the year, the, the, it's become like a tradition. It's become like part of the 
the way we do it. Mm. And in fact, I don't know anybody who doesn't do the one-year fish. Even even uh, became Christians, even they do that too. Hmm. Even a lot of the Christian people follows that nine days and ten day feast. Of course, uh, when they do it, they do they do. I've seen them. What they do is uh, Catholic people that are Mohawks. They'll do it for uh, nine days every night. They go to that house and they do rosary. Whereas the traditional don't do that. We just we just uh, uh, mourn for the nine nights and the tenth day. That's when we have the giveaway, where where whatever will they had or whatever position has has to be given away on the tenth day. And you Christians, a lot a lot of them follow that. They think it's Christian, but when I ask the American people, Rochester and Syracuse and New York City. You're Catholic? They say, yeah. Do you have a nine days uh, feast or ten day feast? They're looking at what are you talking about? So, so Americans and Canadian people, they're Catholics, don't know that. So that Catholic where we live, they get that nine days from the from the traditional angles, but they don't know it's traditional. They think it's Catholic. And what else happens uh, at? during the ten the nine days and then the tenth day for the feast besides besides grieving and crying what else goes on on the tenth day uh-huh well they have a big feast big food everything that that person used to like to eat is is brought there uh, old-fashioned kinds of food and um then the the family has to gather all their belongings their clothes and whatever personal belongings they had and they, they bag them up and they they put names on it so whoever helped uh, like to wash dishes or to bring food and cooked who kept the fire going or who kept, who did the speaking who did pallbearer to carry the dead to to wash the dead and rest the dead uh, everybody who who helped which is the opposite clans are given gifts that used to belong to that dead person as payment for their aid in that journey of that dead. So everything has to go. Nothing is to be kept. It's got to go to that center called the giveaway. That's what happens on the tenth day. So then after the tenth day, so all the people from the other side of the clan, like I'm a bear, so if a bear clan people dies, on the other side of the fire, on the north side of our longhouse, are the wolf and turtle clan. So if, if a bear clan dies, that turtle and wolf has to come over and to do all the speaking for us, to dress our dead, uh, to cook for us, to dig the grave for us, to carry our dead. The immediate family is not supposed to do that. It's got to be the other side. So they're going to be tied up for that whole nine days because they got to make sure that family is doing okay. So on the tenth day, when they finish the ceremony, that's when the speaker uh, from our side of Bear Clan will tell them that side. Now you have done your job. On the tenth day, we release you. You are no longer obligated uh, to the death of our loved one. And, uh, but we have given you these gifts 
uh, uh, for all the trouble we went through to help us. And we appreciate it very much. And so now we let you free. You're, you're free now. You don't have to worry about us anymore. And that concludes it. Mm. So then the next day, they take the food and they put it in the woods. Some take some take it to the graveyard, but mostly take it in the woods where the free animals like deers or wolf or whatever can get it, which is a good sign. But they say don't put it close to where you live. They don't want domesticated animals to get it. But if it's the animals that are not domesticated, then that's that's part of the creation. So it, that's what they want. And then that concludes that. Now, I I wanted to ask you another question going back to the story of of Iowanta when he um when he said all of those things that if he encountered somebody who was in the kind of grief that he was in that he would perform all of those things how did it go from him saying those words to becoming the ceremony because uh, that's what the peacemaker told them that's what Ewanta told them so that's what they said now in order to get people so they can see and hear properly and 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 uh it takes uh, sorrow and grief out of your throat so they can function as a human so this will become now the tradition of how to handle that to make people well again so and so that it became so now every death no matter who that's what they do so in the story Ayawanta took that those words that he said. So did well, he tell himself? Then the peacemaker, the peacemaker did that, even though he wasn't there, because the peacemaker knew he had a spiritual power and he knew everything. So when when Iwata did this, he was in a swamp at the Cicero swamps where that happened, and um, next to Syracuse area, that's where that's where he found those wampums. And uh, that's when he did that speech to himself. He was talking to himself. But when, when he, when the peacemaker found Iwata sitting in the fire, the peacemaker began to receive all of what he was talking to himself. But he wasn't there, but he knew, and so that's how it became part of the ritual of how you handle grief. So the the peacemaker was part of that process then of Iwanta's yeah. healing. Yeah. Even though he wasn't with him physically. But he knew all that. He knew everything. So, so that's why this... that's why people listened to him, because he knew things that nobody else could know. Hmm. So it had to come from the divine or from the spiritual world. And then he did lots of miracles and uh before people's eyes. So when they tried to kill him, they couldn't kill him. And that's why they seen that. So that, that's why they, even the most fiercest, cruelest people said, now we've seen with our own eyes. That's why now we're gonna to listen to you. So the, the chain of events then was from 
Aowanta laying there just half dead, um, talking about what he would do if he was around somebody feeling the, all the sorrow and all the suffering that he felt. And then the peacemaker knew about that, that that was happening. Is that right? And then he yeah, yeah. the ceremony that the people then took on. Is that the order? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they taught uh, all the chiefs, they taught the ones that they raised up. Uh, they, first, they raised three in the Mohawks. Then they raised three in Oneida. And then they, they shipped on the Dagas, because that's where that sorcerer guy lived, the one that killed the daughters of Yanwata. So they skipped there. She, he's the one who was so powerful in uh, power. Uh, that's the one they said he had living snakes in, living in his hair. And he had the skin of uh, like a fish. And he had his hands just like a turtle, feet. Uh, and he had seven crooks in his body. He was, and he couldn't live with other people. That's how uh, sadistic uh, he was. And um, so he lived in a Cicero swamp by himself because no other humans could live next to him. He was too mean, too, and uh, he could kill people. And uh, he worked a lot of times with animals and snakes and all that. And uh, he could make a hurricane or tornado come. If you, if you go on a lake, you could tip your, your whole people's boats over, canoe, by bringing big wind and making the waves capsize if you try to go to where he lives. So that's why the peacemaker had to, had to uh, use his power, more power than him. So, the, so when, when, when Tarudaho, that's the mean guy, Ramanadaga made the waves go. So the Ishmael, he had to use his song to stop the wind to go calm and the river the waves to go down so they could get over there. So whatever Tarudaho did to try to stop them, the peacemaker in his delegation, led by peacemaker, had a, had a, what do you call it? Um, uh, he had something to counter it so that uh, Tarudaho can't take over it. But he was very strong. So the peacemaker told his delegation that they, ha they can't hesitate when they confront him. They can't hesitate. Uh, so the peacemaker led all of this so there would be no hesitation. As if there was a hesitation or reluctance just a little bit, Tarunaho's power can break it. They won't be successful. It almost reminds me of what's going on over across the ocean right now with Putin. Mm -hmm. As long as those people doesn't go back, even though they're small, they're still right there. They can't, Putin can't break it. It's very much like the story of uh, the formation of the original five nations mm. with the peacemaker and Ehuata and Tordaho. In fact, as I watch it, it reminds me of it a lot. And what do you like, think the solution is? Pray? Huh? What do you think the solution is? Well, 
if they really believe, then the miracles can happen just like in the story of the Constitution. But if they hesitate, even if they die, the others don't give up. And that's the same with us Iroquois, because what, what Putin is doing to creation, George Washington and Clinton and Sullivan did to us, the Haudenosaunee people. They took all our land, they killed our people, they starved us out. They didn't use bomb, but they used what they had, which was outnumbered us. But we didn't give up. That's why we were still And that's the lesson. Yeah. Very, very good, Tom. I have one more question um, before we close. And my question is about, you know, the, everybody who's listening to this certainly does not have access to the condolence ceremony, but we all deal with death in our own way. And we all are with other people who suffer the death of their families. So what can we take from this story and this teaching that could be helpful in the wider world, would you say? <clears throat> well, our, our dead is never dead, really dead. That's why we have, uh, like, a, what we might, you call, might call a ghost dance, one in the spring, once in the fall, where the, our, whole, our whole nation that still believes in this have an all-night ceremony dance for all our ancestors, our grandmother, our mother, our father, our great-great-great-grandma, great-great-grandfather are all invited. And we feast all night with them, and we, we socialize uh, all night until sunrise. Then we depart. Twice a year, we do that on a national scale. Uh, but when when they depart, it's it's been taught to us as we have to let them go, and we got to go back to what we're doing as as living people. But we never forget them. But we don't carry them every day once we do that. So that's how it's been disciplined to us. Mm. So even though they're dead, they're not forgotten. Even the ones at the beginning of the world, we still feed them. Well, what a beautiful teaching. Tom Porter, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, and thank you for sharing the stories and the wisdom and the teachings from your people and, and uh, sh sharing it with us in this wider world. So thank you so much, Tom. Uh, I would like to add one thing. Uh, since we came back to the Mohawk Valley uh, in 93, I have, uh, for some reason, uh, there, there was, I think, seven different American people that live in the area here who passed away and came here and asked if I could um, conduct their funeral. I found seven of them 
they're not natives but i never did it before in my whole life before i never did and then when they first the first one that died was 97 or 98 years old his name was doug ayers he was a science teacher done the school year for i don't know how many generations he taught over here and when 93 when we first came here a car pulled up i was in the garage back there and i didn't know who this an old man came out of there it was Doug Ayers. and he come there and he shake hands with me and he says I, I want you to know that i'm so happy the mohawks came home and i and i i didn't know who he was he says i'm an old friend of the mohawks and i i says oh yeah he says, yeah, I know a lot of Mohawks, he says. And I didn't ever hear of him. And he says, and I said, who, who do you know? He says, well, I know Ray Fad and uh, kids he used to bring because they used to stay at my house in Fort Plain. There'd be wall-to-wall -wall Mohawk kids in my house when they he would bring them. And, and I says, oh, yeah, I said, Ray Fadden was my uncle. He was married to my aunt and his light eyes lit up real good and uh, he says that's why i come to make sure i let you know that i'm so happy you're here and it wasn't too long after that he passed away he was 97 and uh they came after me over there uh, i forgot just who and asked me if i could go and um help them with the funeral then I didn't know what to do because I never did that for American people or anybody else just only our own people like Senecas or our own dog or Mohawk then I remembered my grandmother she said whenever somebody asks you something especially about death don't say no mm. not right to say no so, uh, so with that, I went over there, and I ended up doing the whole thing by myself. Even whoever's priest over there or reverend, they didn't say nothing. When I started, uh, that was that was it. And somebody videoed that too on a video. It was Linda Champagne, and uh, different people asked for that. Then after that, six more people over the years asked to need to do it and I, I didn't say no I went and had, did it of course it wasn't the 10 days it was just a burial and the last one I just did was uh, about two months ago in broad, broad album broad album New York here so this is uh, evolution for me because I never did that before and I didn't know if it was right or wrong but because of my grandmother's teaching or talking, that's what guided me. And I went ahead and did it. And it was helpful to them. And then there was another one. Uh, a family lost their 16-year-old daughter in a head-on car accident. And that father and mother uh, were real sick and were hopeless they just couldn't let it go and uh so they came here too and we did that uh 10-day feast for them 
and as soon as we finished, almost like somebody turned the light on for their for them, they got happy after all these years of carrying that. They were able to deal with it. So I know it's powerful. That's so beautiful. What what incredible power that ceremony has. Yeah. And and the and the thing of it is is when you're doing it, it's got to be truthful and sincere. And so when I do this ceremony for before and still, a lot of times big tears come in my eyes because I can feel their grief. Mm. And, and you know, that's why whenever you do something, it's got to be true. It can't be just a program. It can't just be a, from a script. Gotta be so heartfelt. You're, you're sharing their grief in that moment. Yeah. 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 The real speakers, the real leaders, they will shed tears. Beautiful. Tom, if somebody listening to this podcast would like more information about what goes on at Ganajo Halege, how could they find out? about your activities well there there is uh you just you can, you can uh, i guess google is that what you call it google mm -hmm. or uh internet mm -hmm. um, uh moha community gonna say this the inner tube it means <laughs> internet i mean uh youtube i guess but um 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 I got old now, so um, I'm going to be leaving Ganajo Lake. That's why I'm going to be back on reservation. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe in a month or so, they'll start construction. So um, I, I, I'll only be here now and then after that. But we have, uh, I think, 11 board members. So they're going to have to decide what to do. I'll still be on the board and everything, but I'm going to be taking a, at least a couple of years break from here just to, so I can build the house and, and reconnect back home on the reservation where I come from and where I was born. And I guess where I'm going to die. But uh, it's going to break my heart to leave because mm -hmm. uh, I've been here for 30 years and we did a lot of great things here. But uh, when you get old, you get old. You can't help it. You can't do it. So I got no more animals, no more horses, no more cow. Uh, got too much for me. Yeah. Are there still activities going on there that people might find out about? Yeah, there's still there's still language programs that's going. Uh, what do you call it, virtually uh, uh, Zooms uh, language? Is it MohawkCommunity.com? Is that the the web address? You can you can do. I think you can do catch it that way too. But it'll be under Ganajo Halege Mohawk Community or. Wonderful. Um, I'm not sure the exact. I'm not sure the exact how you do it because I, I never do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as I recall, it's MohawkCommunity.com, and uh, yeah. Tom, thank you so much for all that you've shared with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome as always. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com.
This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.